I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 332 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast that we do every once in a while now, apparently. We're almost full on half beast. That's true. What about you, Jim? Are you almost full on half beast? Every day. How are things <laughs> How are things back in the d- delicious Bay Area? Uh, it's, you know, housing, housing is still super expensive. Um... <laughs> The weather is fluctuating crazy. Like it's it's like pretty cool right now, but a couple days ago it was over ninety. Like pretty cool, as in like there's horned skulls uh, emerging from the ground and lightning is striking their tips. uh, Or it's more omanites and kabutos. Ooh, what's an omanite? Uh, It's kind of a snail thing. They they started appearing around here a lot. And you catch them in the Pokemon. Oh, that's balls. a real thing. That's not some then, sort of weird video game. No, I'm talking I about a video Pokemon game. I'm talking about see. Pokemon. I know what a Kabuto is from playing uh, Giants Citizen Kabuto. Right. That's no. I I don't know about any of those things. Uh, neither do all, I. All I know about citizens I learned from Star Citizen. So uh, it's expensive, <laughs> and it doesn't exist. Yeah, they're kind of like horseshoe crab type things. They're really kind of horrifying to look at, actually. Yeah, like sort of if a horseshoe crab stood up and revealed an entire body underneath that weird-ass head. I think you mean horror show crab. Yeah, that'd be sure. Are people still angry about those electric scooters? Uh, I haven't heard anybody complain. I've seen a bunch of them, though. Um, But, like, I guess I kind of ran into one while I was walking down the sidewalk once, so I was a little angry, but... That's my only interaction with them or with anybody else regarding them. You ran into a scooter or you or someone on a scooter? A stationary scooter parked. Oh, okay. Like one of those pay to operate scooters parked stationary in the middle of a sidewalk. Okay. Did you just not see it or something? Oh, yeah. I was looking at my phone. Ah, okay. Were you catching a Pokemon at the time? It could be. I could have been tweeting. They should integrate those. Uh, oh, you were tweeting and you ran into a bird. They should integrate those scooters into Pokemon Go so that they show up on your AR. That and would make sense. They should integrate Pokemon Go into your eyes so that you can actually look where you're going and not trip over uh, inanimate objects. What if that had been a What if that had been a real bird and you had just stepped on it and killed it? Are the scooters birds metaphorically? Uh, just uh, well, nominally they're birds. Are they? I didn't know that. They're called that. I didn't actually read. The, I think there are several text on the scooter. There are several competing brands of uh, of dockless rent your own electric scooter in the same way that there are several competing schools of thought on the think pieces about those scooters. Some <laughs> right? of which that they are bad and represent everything that's wrong with everything, and some of which hold the position "nah, shut up, dummy." <laughs> So I uh, I don't really have a good frame of reference for what the scooter issue is. Is it just like, is it like those free Dutch bicycles that you just pick one up and ride it for a while and then leave it wherever for the next guy? Except it's electric scooters. Yeah, you you use an app and you uh you know it costs like a, a fifteen cents a minute or something to ride a scooter around, and 
everyone you just got to, really. You just leave them anywhere. Yeah, you just leave them anywhere, which is a thing that a lot of people were getting very angry about. I, hmm. I think more people were angry about them than could possibly have actually been inconvenienced or affected I don't by know, them. Jim ran, we, we know somebody who ran into one on the sidewalk. Well, okay, that's true. I guess we do know <laughs> one person who wasn't paying attention to where he was going that ran into it. Oh, I, I take full object. responsibility for that. There's lots of shit on the sidewalk. Our, it's not all corporate the corporate garbage littering the landscape. Yeah, except it's not garbage, right? It's it's like well, fairly inefficient renewably powered transportation that's not like a car our friend patrick uh was like oh i'll just uh push this on back to the charging station which i know is like a block or two away and he was trying to get it there and it started yelling at him that it was going to call the cops (laughs) i wonder if it actually does call the cops i bet there's no fucking way that one of those things actually ever contacts a police department after the first time a police department was like fuck you don't ever do this again (laughs) Or we'll send, we'll put the entirety of Silicon Valley in jail. We'll build a cage out of (laughs) silicon around the whole area, and you won't be able to use any of your cellular devices anymore, or leave, or eat, or uh, photosynthesize, procreate. Yeah, I don't know what else silicon. Angel invest. Silicone. Yep. Once I also walked into a no parking sign. Hmm. That was before well, I had I mean, a phone, you... though, so it, had to, it must have been some other dis- distraction. Anyway, what well, I'm saying and... is, like, they should remove those, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would make it so there was a lot more available parking. <laughs> it, it does kind of suck, you know, when the, those times when the only thing stopping you from parking somewhere is the fact that it's against the law for you to park there. It's some That's bullshit. That's sad state of affairs. Like the middle of the road? Yeah, middle of the road, right yeah. in front of a fire hydrant during I mean, a fire. So... Uh, the the car I drive to during a fire. My car sometimes will let you get out of the car without like turn off the ignition without putting it in park. So I could just do that. I leave it in neutral, and I didn't technically park there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You kind of parked wherever it wants to be, right? Right. You, you parked at whatever lo- local minima of the topology <laughs> yeah. is. Eventually, it might take a while for you to have parked there. Oh yeah. I guess if you think about it, a car in neutral on a hill is a self-driving car. Now, let's rephrase that. Any car in neutral on a hill is a self-driving car. (laughs) Did you see that video of the guy who uh, rode his car like a skateboard down a hill and then it got going real fast and he had to like bail out and then the tree, the car hit a tree and it was just ruined? No, that seems like a pretty good video, though. That's like the kind of thing I would watch. Yeah. Yep. I guess once you once you've made that video and you've just ruined your next couple of months or whatever, you're like, well, I still better post this to YouTube because at least that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, get, it became, get some it, value it out of it. A viral sensation, yeah, and then you can you can monetize your ad, oh, yeah. Unless your unless your car is gay, in which case you can't monetize your ad because YouTube won't let you. Uh, and then uh, and then you can buy a new car, maybe a better car. One that won't. Like a Tesla. Go down a hill. I think there's Um, an app here, at at least in this area, that is a similar thing as those scooters, except for cars. I have no idea how that could be. Get around is a thing. Zipcar has been a thing for forever. Well, so, like, cars already have infrastructure for parking, right? 
these scooters are just weird because you literally just leave them like leaning up against fences and mm, like okay it doesn't make seem to it doesn't really make any sense as a person who lives in san francisco and gets around mostly on foot in the couple of weeks that we were there that everyone was complaining about these things did you ever see even one of them yeah i've seen i've definitely seen some scooters okay i i have not wouldn't it be the same problem if problem it was just regular bicycles or do In people theory, just like bicycles because they're green? There are bicycles. So there are a bunch colors. of like bike share things, but they also have designated parking they, spots. Yeah, they have docks. Yeah, I mean, like I, I haven't like, read any of these think pieces, but I have to imagine the complaint is that people are just leaving them everywhere, and not it's, except it's, they're just. Eventually, we're not going to be able to move because yeah, we're just going to be inundated with scooters. Just aren't that, there aren't that many of them. See, vandals keep the scooter population down. Well, what I've heard is that well, there's like a there's like that's a little... all you need. Then you need a scooter hunting license. Well, there's a bounty for for returning a scooter that's been missing for a certain amount of time, and people will just take the scooter and store it in their like Faraday cage oh. apartment or whatever, and then <laughs> until the bounty when pops. when the bounty is oh. up, then they'll. That's They'll pretty take good. it out and return it. Yeah. Yep. Unsupervised systems, they're great. They lead to all kinds of great behavior. Hey, Jim, did you hear that Steam uh, finally relented and did exactly what you and I wanted them to do? And every every right-thinking progressive on the internet hates them and us because yeah. of it. Yeah, uh-huh. I heard that. I, I think it's pretty cool. You know, you, know who, you know who's on our side of history? Uh, Bennett Foddy, whether it's the right side or not. Is he? I didn't <laughs> um, see that tweet. Yeah, no, I think he's he's uh, like, yeah, I, I think his his take on this, uh, all of the criticism of this presupposes that there is definitely a right answer to this that everyone agrees. You on, should say what this right is. as to. Sorry, this is the 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 steam conversation that we had last episode. Uh like, basically, they've said in response to all of the controversy about, like, you know, banning games about gay sex or games with porn in them or games that dealt with, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, they got they got criticized for, like, allowing that school shooting game but not allowing the anime titties games or whatever. And so they basically were like, look, we can't even agree internally on how to do this, so we're just going to let everything on there that's not illegal. So, sorry. Or obviously trolling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, trolling is a weird thing. I don't know what but, that and so means. Then that's, obviously, know, trolling, like that—that that would definitely right. mean frog fractions isn't allowed. I'm well, guessing I think the that idea there is has that... to be a target. I think it is. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like obviously a, they don't let you put a like punch punch Anita Sarkeesian in the face over and over again. The video game, right? Sure. However, do they allow punch Donald Trump in the face over and over again? The video game, and that's the that's the thing where it's like, well. So my you know, my read of other... obviously trolling was that it was is was that it meant like a game you know made out of default store assets that is called I can get this game on Steam you know that kind of thing that sounds like a great game to me <laughs> I would play that I think in this particular case it was a developer that had a history of making provocative titles just to be obnoxious mm. yeah. But I don't I don't know the details. I mean, it seems like, you know, they also like also illegal covers all sorts of things like yeah. copyright violation and mm. hate speech. And and, and also uh, steam is governed by the laws of many countries. So if it's illegal anywhere, true. then it's they're probably not going to allow it. 
they would at least not allow it in that country, right? They have control over that. Well, well, so does point. that mean that there can't be any more skeletons in games? Right. Yeah. Because I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna be like we you can't have games with swastikas in them in the U.S. because they're illegal in Germany, right? Like, oh yeah. Yep. They probably do have so, country based yeah. filters. You know, this seems fine to me because I'm not a marginalized person with anything to lose as a result of it. But yeah, I don't know. I think Bennett's Bennett's take is the one that makes the most sense to me because it is it what what you know the Waypoint crew is is suggesting, which is that this is a terrible way for them to do it, and they have to take responsibility and do the right thing. You know, Bennett's suggests that the right thing is not a thing that everyone can agree on. And it's pretty clear that it's not a thing that everyone can agree on. And so you can't do that. Like it just sort of logically, you cannot do that because it's not a thing that is what the, what the progressive side wants is for valve to take a stance against. Yeah, They want, they want valve to say, Hey, we also don't like games about, you know, beating up people because they're transgendered or whatever. And you know, yeah, I think if I you... would also be fine with Valve doing that, but I, I, I always because I'm a libertarian prick. I'm not a libertarian prick, but I always err on the side of, like, you know, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. I think it's a good thing that there is a marketplace with everything in it. I think it could potentially be a good thing, depending on the quality of their of of their promised uh filter and self-curation yeah like that that would be uh and and honestly like someone else could do the filtering if if that integrated with the uh the product in any meaningful way like if i could go to a website um that had a database with every steam game on it and they did good filtering i would just use that website as the front end instead Mm -hmm. right they i mean you know the one point that i do agree with on the opposition side is that what valve is probably going to do is base their filtering on a user-generated system of tags which system will immediately be weaponized right right like if i if i say well i don't want to see sjw games on steam does it show me firewatch because like firewatch is not a like an aggressively politically progressive game but like sean vanneman is a dick on the side of right on the internet. So he would definitely get that tag applied to that game. Right. And then what do you do? What do you do? Keep making stuff that is so dumb that no one takes it seriously (laughs) enough to ever cause any problems. I think that's, that's what we're all on board with. Yeah. Yep. Nobody. Nobody, how was your, uh, nobody how was your... ever started controversy about us uh, about us not addressing the problem of Native Americans in the Wild West. <laughs> so that's true. Yeah. It worked out well for us. I, I mean, so one other way of looking at that is we spent enough time thinking about that and made the right choice about how to handle it. Yeah. Right. Because the the worry was not that like we were going to be like, oh, somebody's going to be angry about our super offensive portrayal of Native Americans because we did not have one of those. We were more worried that, you know, th- that the the left would criticize us for whitewashing. Right, right the story and not addressing it and we just decided not to mess with it and you know nobody cared nobody cared one way or another 
and it's not that nobody cared because nobody played the game and liked it. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the outcome. It is. It, I think it helps that it's fantastical enough that it's not the real world, right? Yeah. Like magic and goblins and skeletons and stuff. I would argue that all of those things exist in the real world in the sense that there uh, there is magic in uh, the, the, the glinting of the eyes of a child as he sees a beautiful thing for the first time. And there is a skeleton inside every child, child as yeah. soon as he is sufficiently <laughs> developed. And uh, there's a goblin underneath the bed of every yeah. child uh, there's slowly a, there's a devouring goblin uh, inside, that child's fear uh, over the course of many nightmarish <laughs> sleepless nights. There's a goblin inside every Furby. <laughs> a goblin in every pot, a skeleton in every garage. Yes. Uh, Riff, how was your uh, how was your trip up and trip up and? <clears throat> Let me try that again, Riff. Okay. Riff, how was your how was your the the, the, the vacation <laughs> with your uh, with your your folks? It was it was pretty good. Uh, we went. Uh, down uh, down the coast to uh, Newport and saw the the Oregon State uh, Aquarium, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, they had is ba- Newport where those menthol those long skinny menthol cigarettes are from? <laughs> or is that new? I, is that some? You other know, I Newport? didn't ask. Uh, I um, I didn't see any. <laughs> Who would you ask? Like yeah, the mayor? Just some guy. <laughs> just just collar a guy on the street and go, hey, <laughs> is this where the cigarettes? Um. But yeah, the aquarium is cool, and they had uh, sea otters, which are cute and way larger than I thought. Uh, I always kind of pictured otters as being like large weasels, but they're like golden retriever sized. Well, but isn't that just sea otters? I think aren't, aren't lake I think otters river otters? Yeah, are probably the smaller river ones. otters. Yeah. What and otter pops are pretty small. Yeah, those that's true. They fit right in your freezer and subsequently in your mouth. I don't know that there's you a get a whole one transitive property that things that fit in your freezer <laughs> fit in your mouth. In your freezer fit. Anything smaller than a bread box, by definition, will go in your mouth. Because well, bre- eventually, bread bread fits in your yeah, mouth. Bread yeah, bread is the. <laughs> I didn't say consequently. I said subsequently. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. Let's see. Ipso facto. Yeah. <laughs> you can swallow an otter hole. <laughs> um, Isn't that where blueberry flavor comes from? Oh, yeah. It comes otters? from an otter hole. They make it. <laughs> what? They, I think those are beaver. Oh, right. The blue raspberry beaver. flavor comes out of beaver holes. <laughs> I, was, I was only off on both sides of that <laughs> statement. Yeah, but only slightly on each. <laughs> Um, what else? Uh, there's a lighthouse that was kind of cool. Um, uh, did you cause any, uh, oceanic disasters? Yeah. Was there a terrible curse associated with it or the lineage of its keepers? Um, not really. The, the, um, we, we saw, we, we saw one of the, uh, it's, it's not currently like, like there isn't a guy that lives in the lighthouse anymore. It's all automated. So the, the only person we saw that, that you, I guess you could term a lighthouse keeper was, was more like a park ranger who was like hanging around. 
uh, and she, was she cursed? She was uh, she was busy trying to weed all the wild mustard out of the yard surrounding the uh, the lighthouse because I guess wild mustard is super invasive and they have some plants there that they care about. But like almost the entire yard was mustard, so we were a little bit dubious about this task of hers. Which seemed why didn't you just Sisyphean. plant a bunch of ketchup packets and then the like the hot Cancel dogs them would out? Just sort yeah, of... you just need those cattails, yeah. those things that look like hot dogs sounds like a sticks. blessing, not a curse. Well, you have to do a lot with it to make it good. I expect. I don't even yeah, know if that's the do? stuff she, that you she make have to turn the crank out of, on the or lighthouse if it's anymore. just mustard yellow. So that they call it that. But anyway. Um, we did some other stuff. What was the other stuff we did? Oh, we went up to um, Astoria and walked around there for a while. And did I, you see the Goonies house? I think they don't like you to do that anymore. Yeah, we did not. We did not specifically go there. We stopped in like the uh, the Astoria like office of tourism or whatever they call the building that you go for local information, and they had a ton of Goonies merch. Uh, but we did not go to any Goonie-specific locations. Um, did you buy any Goonies merch? Nah, I figured I already kind of have the best Goonies merch. Like, so <laughs> there there wasn't yeah, really you anything have, that what, I needed. What, what Goonies merch do you have? You got me the coin yeah, that I, I have, still treasure. I have one of those coins, and I have a replica of the copper skull key, and I have a, a super nice replica of the map. Oh, and I have uh, Chester Copperpot's burn wallet. marks on the edge from that uh, from that um, deleted scene. Yeah, and it has the uh, the musical notes on the back too, and all the. Do you have the truffle shuffle Rube Goldberg device that opens your front door? <laughs> that would be that would be quite a uh, that would be quite a uh, 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 replica. I guess I don't yeah, really have read a front of door. that scene that the machine was operated by. By Chunk Jeff Cohen doing the the truffle shuffle. I I mean yeah, there was a connect that triggered the uh, the connect opened the CD ROM drive and that pushed the you realize, lever that. You realize that data in the Goonies and data in Star Trek: The Next Generation are two different characters, right? What? Oh shit! That can't be right. All characters with the same name are the same guy. Also, all characters yeah, okay. played by how's, Nicholas how's Cage. How's Professor are the Frankenfurter doing? <laughs> uh we went to kevin and i went to Dreamhack in austin uh oh, yeah. why you ask good question yeah. <laughs> we would respond um they uh Dreamhack as an organization seems to be doing some uh some kind of outreach to the liberal arts majors in the crowd because they've been really pushing this sort of indie games pavilion and it was big and it was well curated and there were we met a lot of really nice really cool people and there were a lot of very esoteric artsy kinds of things on display there in addition to the more sort of traditional games like like West of Loathing which we were showing there and the and I love some, that West of Loathing is a traditional it's, game. I think it's a pretty traditional ass video game. You you have like a sword that makes your strength higher. Okay. You know, it's not like just in in that sense it's not like it's not some weird narrative experiment or something, right? Like that's what I mean. And sure. it's also not like a couch co-op, like competitive game. You know, you know, one of those co-op competitive games. Yep. Like, uh, 
well, I guess like Double Dragon, spoilers <laughs> for the ending of Double Dragon. <laughs> um, uh, but mostly the event is there for people to watch like giant PUBG tournaments on 40 foot tall screens with multi-tiered uh, stages of people sitting behind computers. There's also a giant BYOC area. Uh, Bring your own computer. Yeah. Uh, which was just like a pitch black giant room in a convention center lit only by the sick leds of hundreds upon hundreds of sick gaming rigs i want to as an as an aside here i fucking love souped up like case desktop pcs for people to take to land parties i am so a hundred percent on board with the like sick razor peripheral everything is lit up and scintillating as you get your your headshots and there's like fucking exhaust pipes coming out of the top of your computer for no reason (laughs) spinning i don't want one of those but i want i'll look at them all day (laughs) did you ever have one of those jim i never did i knew a guy who built his own water-cooled pc which involved like a, a actual open bowl of water on his desk with tubes running out of it Ah, that's pretty good. So if you wanted, it could be like Mountain Dew cooled to make it even sicker. That's right, yeah. Mountain Dew looks and smells a lot like like antifreeze. antifreeze. Yeah, I bet it would be pretty effective. (laughs) I've never tried antifreeze. It sounds delicious. You're trying to prevent your computer from freezing. Well, the point of antifreeze is that it... it, Isn't antifreeze like a liquid that retains temperature more readily than... Because it's antifreeze and anti-boil, right? Like you, oh, I don't know. It won't freeze the way water does, and it also acts as a better coolant fluid than water. Or am I? I don't know. Am I wrong about that? I I thought that antifreeze was a liquid that was optimized for liquid cooling in a car because it doesn't freeze when the temperature gets below zero degrees. Yeah, and therefore ruin your car because your car is now frozen solid, or the or things burst because water expands or right. freezes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, antifreeze is mostly out to poison unsuspecting neighborhood animals. Well, and also me. Saucers. Yeah, can't you also like feed it to somebody slowly over a long period of time and slowly kill them? There's a joke well, in The Simpsons uh, where Bart is the foreign exchange student where uh, he uh, they, they have been they've been uh, stepping on the wine that they're making with antifreeze for some reason that is not clearly explained. And they're testing it on him. <laughs> On Bart? Yeah, and they say, ah, it's probably, he probably won't even go blind. Um, it's a classic, like, you know, season two, three Simpsons episode. Huh. Anyway, that was DreamHack. <laughs> was that jag about antifreeze? Uh, also, lighting I on some... PC mods. Yeah. Ah, man. I love it. I don't really love it, but I love it. Like, when I buy a new gaming PC from cyberpowerpc.com, I am often tempted to to get one with the garish lights. But then I remember, oh, this is going to be in a building with me all the time. And I'm not going to want to look at that. Like, when I'm trying to work or maybe sleep. Yeah. You could just mount it to the top of your car like a shark fin. Oh, man. And I could, if I play, if I if I get a long enough kill streak, I can convince people that I'm the police. I thought you said <laughs> like, power cord. Oh, yeah. Then I could game on the go. 
no matter where I went. You just had like, instead of a winch, you just had a, a spool on the back of your car that was just a power cord and you plug in and then you just start driving away from your house until you can't drive any further because you're out of cord. And that's just as far as you can go. You, you can only go to places within the distance of your power cord because you've got a game all the time. That's true. And mobile gaming, mobile gaming is not sufficient for a hardcore gamer like no, myself. Not even. Um, Except for you like the Switch. Speaking the Switch. of, yeah, speaking of mobile gaming, uh, do you want to talk about some of the video games we've played since the last time we recorded an episode of this video games podcast? Okay. Very well. Um, I think what I might do, because I, most of the stuff that I want to talk about is stuff that I played at DreamHack, uh, is I will just go down the list of indie pavilion games from DreamHack, and when I see one that I played, I will talk about it. So these are alphabetical by genre, I guess? Cool. Uh, so in the action category, I played nothing. Uh, in the action slash adventure category, I played Candleman, uh, which was right across the uh, right across the aisle from us. It, it was a jam game where the idea is that you are a candle and the candlestick is, I guess, kind of like legs. Uh, but I couldn't really see because part of the deal is that you can't really see. And it's in the dark. You have a limited number of like. Uh, Atari haunted house style, like light up the area around you for a second because you're a candle. Because you're a candle, uh, but it burns you down. Like you run out of you as you use this ability uh, to see. And then there are also like a bunch of. There might be as many other candles in the environment to light as you have charges of your ability. Uh, but when you die, the ones that you lit stay lit. So it's kind of like it's kind of like just a top downish. 3d platformer uh that's not so much difficult in terms of like challenging jumps there are some like physics puzzles later on but it's uh it's it's largely just a like oh there was a it turns out there was a crack in between these two things that you could fit in that didn't necessarily look like you could go there and there's like a hidden candle behind there um that game was pretty cool did you play uh, the sequel Candleman lady no okay that's, uh, sorry, that's just a that's a Miss Pac-Man joke. Oh, okay. What? Yeah, why is she Miss Pac-Man? <laughs> why isn't she Pac Pac-Woman? Yeah, that would. Yeah. Yep. Because I'm. Yeah, it's like when if it, like when my mailman got married, his wife did not become Mrs. Mailman. <laughs> also, is Pac-Man his job or his name? I think it's his name. I think Mrs. that's Superman. I think it's Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man. What about Manfred Mann's wife? Did, did she become she probably did become Mrs. Mann. Yeah, I think so. It's very sad. Uh, also, uh, our friends at Rose City Games made uh, this game or they were showing this game called The World Next Door, which is out uh, in like a year, even though I don't really understand what like it's seems pretty done and pretty good and i don't understand why it's still so far away from release unless they just have like a lot of projects on their docket but it is it is this very convoluted visual novel with a bunch of anime looking characters which is a thing that i did not super care about but then there are these fights in it that are this action puzzle game yeah. it, it's it was before they set up i asked them i'm like hey what are you what is this game like and she kind of described it and i said so what's the what's what do you mean it's like puzzle game combat and she said uh just come by when it's running it's it's easier to show you 
so there's this grid with uh, little glowing colored sigils in each square. And there are, let's say there are five colors. And then I will try to remember what they are. I think there are five colors. Um, and you have two verbs you are you are running around in real time and you have an opponent who's running around in real time and you have two verbs one of which is to like tag a square to swap it with the next square that you walk into like match three style and then another verb which is to activate the contiguous block of squares that you're sitting on that you're standing on uh to cast a spell and then randomize the contents of those tiles and the spells are one, uh, like the orange sigils, shoot a fireball at wherever your opponent is standing at the time, but they can dodge it, which is cool. Uh, the yellow ones create a field of electricity in the area that was covered by the contiguous tiles that just deals damage over time to stuff that's in it or near it. The purple ones create like a gravity well that uh, draws your opponent into it and they can get stuck and are immobilized for a little while. So it's good to like make one of those and then run over and trigger a big thing of fireballs that you'd been setting up. Uh, and then there's one that heals you. And then there is one that is just like a kind of a hit scan, like just do a little bit of damage to your opponent wherever they are. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that you can, like the more time you spend setting up a a bunch of matches the more time your opponent has to just come in and activate it right out from under you um it's like i i stopped playing it because they only had one demo station up and i wanted other people at the show to be able to play it but i kept wanting to go back and play it um i didn't tell them at the time that i also wanted to skip all a hundred percent of the visual <laughs> novel stuff because that is like entirely not for me but uh the the combat stuff is very very clever uh let's see wander song was uh was playing there wander song is uh is cool i did not play it any more than i did at uh at the pax 10 but that uh that i think is going to make some waves when it comes out uh there was uh, also by the same i guess publisher as candleman was this game called tales of the neon sea which is a lot like that game dark side detective that i talked about a few months ago it's like a pixel art uh like sort of point and click adventure where you're walking around these 2D spaces and you're a guy in a hat and a trench coat. Uh Dark Side Detective I stopped playing because there was a 15 like a progress mandatory 15 puzzle in like the second episode. So I quit, but uh this one's cool. The second level you uh play as a cat and you jump around and negotiate some territory disputes with other cats so that you can get where you're trying to go. That's pretty good. Uh, and then, th so there's a category called art house in this list, which is very, very accurate. One of, uh, one of the games that I played there is called Ye and the Thousand Moons, YI. It is like, it is a $5 Steam game that is essentially about a 10 minute interactive music video where there's a song that was written by the guy that made the, made the games. Like a, he's, he is a games person, but he was like a person who came to games from uh being a music major and i think he's he's a grad student in the mit media lab working under some notable music guy that kevin is aware of todd macover yeah uh the the uh, the person who made this game is named david sue and uh it's like it is this just extremely enjoyable 
few minute experience of wandering around and it's like there's a like there'll be a character that like sings a couple of verses and tells you that it's really important for here's a bow and arrow and it's really important for you to like shoot all of the moons and then you shoot all of the moons and every time you shoot a moon a new verse starts and there's a there's this sort of like procedural very reactive music system going so it just sounds like a song that's playing Hmm. the entire time but like when you meet an npc you and the npc will like sing a verse of the song the next time the measure comes around and like I started dicking around trying to like sort of poke at the edges of it to see if I could make it sound bad or fuck up in some way. And I couldn't because it was done very cleverly. Um, and then there was another game uh, by, a, by a guy named Max, whose last name I either didn't learn or can't remember, uh, which is also currently available on Steam, called Zero Degrees North, Zero Degrees West, which he was an architect he had a career as an architect for a long time and took his knowledge of architectural modeling software and used some kind of that that has some kind of unity integration and he made this game where there's basic like he said some number of hundreds more than a hundred less than a thousand um just kind of worlds that you run around in. It is just an exploration game. There's like nothing really to do other than go through one space and then go to another space. Some of the spaces are like extremely glitchy, like catacombs of Solaris looking just sort of noise scapes that you wander around in. Some of them are like the inside of an apartment building that's been modeled and there's just furniture everywhere. And uh, walking up to the televisions give you, gives you weird like static shaders across everything it was basically like he took a bunch of architectural designs in 3d space and then built a unity game around them by just fucking around with shaders and then when he made (laughs) when he ended up with something that looked cool he was like all right this is one of the worlds and so there are just all of these like sort of hybrid of constructed and and generated uh spaces to to run around in it's i kind of when i tweeted about it i kind of described it as like it's like kitty horror show little vignette world games except without the like gothiness uh to it there's not there's not much tone to it it's it's sort of all over the place just because of the nature of what it is but like it was a very nice thing to to run around in for a while what's the name of that one uh zero degrees north zero degrees west it sounds really cool it's pretty difficult to search for um yeah i bet but if you just type zero N into the Steam uh, search, it finds it. There's a game called Mythic Ocean, which really reminded me. Do you remember the name of the woman who was at Fantastic Arcade who made that alien casino game where casino is spelled wrong? I don't. <sighs> Fuck. I will I will try to find it and put it in the show notes. Uh, this was Mythic Ocean is like a higher polished version of that in the sense that you're running around you're swimming around an ocean with all of these like sort of cartoon character fish that you have conversations with. And there are a few things like for you to interact with in the world. There's like some light, uh, light puzzle solving, but it definitely uh, also goes in this art house category. That might be it. We saw, we talked to the developer of, but did not play a game called twin cop, (laughs) which is a first person game that requires two players and you're both controlling one policeman and each of you gets one 
arm <laughs> and you kind of have to fight over your response to dialogue Oh, so you're two options. cops. You graduated yeah, twice two, from the academy. <laughs> you graduated from the academy. You, you only graduate Between you, you only graduated once. So you got stuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wish that I had... Uh, had a chance to play that while I was there and had another person around because the, the odds of me playing a first person shooter on PC with another person present are, are uh, pretty slim, but that seemed cool. Also, man, there is a game that I am extremely excited about that was right next to us uh, in the RPG category. Uh, and uh, they organized the booths by these themes. All of the, all of the things listed in the RPG category are the things that were three down from us. Oh, weird. That's weird. Huh. That's an interesting choice. I think if it were up to me, I would have spread them all yeah, out. scattered them around. Yeah. Huh. Um, but anyway, right next to us was this game called Stygian, colon, Reign of the Old Ones. And it is like a grim-ass Lovecraft Paper Mario. Like uh, it, it, the, the combat is more sort of uh, Final Fantasy tactics-y, I guess. But it's like... 2D illustrated, you're moving around, you're like hand-drawn looking dudes moving around in in these spaces and interacting with objects. Like it's got slightly more interactivity in the environment than like a Hairbrain Schemes Shadowrun game and slightly less than a West of Loathing, uh, but a lot more a lot more sort of plot relevant characters for you to talk to and a lot more ways for those conversations to go than in either of those things. Like, there were a tremendous number of things that happened specifically because of the skills that m the character that I took had, uh, like science knowledge and, and occult research kind of stuff, that led me to believe that based on the number of other characters there were with completely non-overlapping skills, that there's just, this is probably a, a, a smaller but way broader game than mm. a lot of these things often are and it's uh they said that they're so far very good at hitting their milestones and their current schedule has them releasing in 14 months uh, there's a demo available on steam uh it's man i like it so much it's it's definitely like real melodramatic and they are, are i'm the world's biggest asshole what country are they based in I don't know. Somewhere in I think they're in Turkey. I think I think they are Turkish. And uh it is it is written in a very slightly English as a second language kind of cadence, but it just makes it creepier. It doesn't make it bad, it just makes everything slightly off in a way that it would be if you were like a person barely hanging on to your sanity while you talk to all these people. At one point if you uh you can anger like a bank teller in this bank slash asylum that you go into and the the way that they indicate that they are uh, angry at you is to uh change fonts and uh the font color to red and to scream murder piss and shit and then combat begins it's pretty good <laughs> um yeah i'm I, like I want to play through the demo again with a different character to see if if uh, the things that it seems to insinuate exist exist. Because man, it's my you know it's like a thing that's not going to be for everybody certainly, but it is hella for me. That's great. Yeah. Um, 
I must have played something else because it had been so. Oh, I played that uh, the new Castlevania game that they made. Oh, that's yeah. like the the Nintendo game that was a stretch goal for the Blood Symphony of Dis- Blood. Was it, was it called Bloodstained? Blood, yeah. Despair. Yeah. Bloodstained Symphony of Despair. Like something like what? that. I don't even know what it is. I backed the Kickstarter. But it was just like, hey, the guy that made Symphony of the Night is making another game. I was like, okay, sold. Yep. Uh, but yeah, they, they made this Nintendo game, mass game, as a uh, as a as a, a stretch goal on that, and it's a it's a pretty serviceable eight bit Castlevania yeah, game. It's it's super it's nice. So I'm not even into like level based platformers at all, but it's pretty fun. Is it is it like the first Castlevania? It's like Castlevania three. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot more like Castlevania 3. It's got branching paths through levels. It's got multiple playable characters that you unlock as you go through. Um, although you can just switch between them at will, uh, which is neat and creates some interesting strategy. Like they'll Levels are definitely designed in a lot of cases. Like this part is going to be extremely challenging unless you switch to this character, in which case it's trivial. Hmm. Or like you go through a completely different part of the level if you are yeah. the character that can turn into a bat and fly or, yeah, or like can I, slide underneath yeah like or, here's a power up that you can only get if you have if this character is still alive which <laughs> which i frequently discovered after just after having gotten that character killed so yeah you got to save you got to save the t- tall jump and slide and whip lady is the best character you yeah. got to you got to save her for when you need her <laughs> That's her name, I think. Tall Jump and Slide and Whip Lady. Yep. I think canonically were... she is the main character from the main Kickstarter game. Oh, good. Because that means the main character in the in the main Kickstarter game is going to have a whip, yep. which is really what you want. What other weapon is there? You know, swords. Castlevania? No. You know, uh, Symphony of the Night, you never get a whip. That's weird. There's never a single whip. Is there whip. no whip in, Castle, in Symphony of the Night? Huh. I, guess, I don't think so. I, you know, I can't remember one. I guess you might be right. They were like, no whips, no trips. They, they, they <laughs> like. That's a joke about Smallville and how they had a no tights, no flights rule. Like their presentation of Superman was gonna, he wasn't ever gonna have the uniform, and he was not going to discover or develop the ability to fly over the course of Smallville. Is that mm. sort of like in how World of Warcraft? they would prevent you from flying in every new expansion until the end because it was just too OP and would just ruin the rest of the yeah uh, because they couldn't uh, season yeah because they couldn't uh, they couldn't have any kind of gating or pacing if you could just fly over everything what uh did was he allowed to turn invisible because that's always the like Superman, the superhero power question, right? Would you Superman rather be? Superman doesn't turn invisible. Or invisibility? Flay a flight. That's how you. That's right. how you decide whether somebody is a monster or not. Like <laughs> if you if you say you'd rather be able to fly, then you're a good person because presumably you will fly to a burning orphanage and rescue all the children. And if you say you would rather become invisible, then you're a bad person because then you would watch the children die in the <laughs> orphanage fire, but no one no one would be able to criticize you for standing is, there doing nothing. Is the neutral stance the ability to stop time because then you? You can take a nap and get to the children later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, do you remember that episode of Smallville where uh, Clark Kent learns that if when he gets a boner, he can shoot fire out of his eyes? Oh, uh, you know, I uh, which which then I kind of do his remember heat that. vision too. 
any any time Superman uses his heat vision, it's because he saw something that made him horny. <laughs> Which means after he discovered X-ray vision, he must have just been constantly setting things on fire. <laughs> right. So, do you think Superman's X-ray vision was the kind that like let you see through like the outer layers of women's clothing, but not underwear? I, 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 uh, my understanding is that he could tune it as necessary. Mm. Well, that's why you just had to wear lead undergarments. Yeah, that 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 be- be- betrays a, a significant misunderstanding of how X-rays work. <laughs> <laughs> well. <sighs> If it's sort of like echolocation, right? It would just be it would just be a different kind of, because uh, you you want something that's high high enough energy to pass through most tissue, but not all, and you some of that would bounce back, and you just would you you would see stuff. It'd be it'd be like you'd figure out what kind of radiation could go through <laughs> bras, but not boobs. <laughs> sure yeah i mean that seems pretty tricky like that seems like a thing that the universe might not have deigned to provide to us in its fundamental underpinnings (laughs) so is is that specific kind of radiation so this is all positing that like seeing the surface of a woman is sexy but knowing anything about the internals is not so like just being aware of the surface skin of a woman nearby is enough to make you horny. Like maybe you could just read about it or see a, like, <laughs> or maybe see, like, Superman a, is just did, super turned on by skeletons. Did, did, or that, did Superman yeah. have like one of those men in black earpieces in all the time where he would like call into home base and say, Hey, uh, I, I need to shoot some heat vision. Read me some letters to penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> LTP. But stop before they get uh, to the point where they start describing your skeleton. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, I guess that's all the games that I, that I played. Uh, oh, I, Sorry, that was a lot. But I, 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 know, I, I know, didn't bring I know my a game that you to Arizona, I know a game so that you played that you didn't mention yet. What's that? Uh, I have just the second block blanked on the name. Pocket Run oh, Pool. Pocket Run Pool. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing a bunch of Pocket Run Pool. Did you get some kind of game center notification because I had a I had a triumph? I was I was poking How did you know? I was poking around the app trying to discover what all these little things were and by tapping on the little uh medals display, it showed me people in my game center friends list that had medals. Oh, okay. I do have quite quite a lot of metal. Um, yeah, Pocket Run Pool is the newest Zach Gage joint. Uh, it is billiards. It is pocket. It's pocket billiards uh, with the twist that the pockets each have a numerical value that rotates uh, to the next pocket each time. One of them is worth ten x, and it goes like ten eight six four two one. Uh, and your score is uh, whenever you knock a ball into a pocket, it multiplies the number on the ball by the number in the pocket, and that's how you get a score. And you get like three... It's got kind of like stringent scratch rules. Yeah. For if, you don't, if you don't sink a ball, that counts as a scratch, and you only get three scratches before you're out. 
Or well, maybe four, four. Yeah, you start with a ball, and then there's three spare. And three and three spare balls. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a bunch of different modes that you can play it in. There's the standard one that's just that game that I just described. There's a like a break of the week thing where it kind of randomizes a break, and you play for score and streaks. There, there is a high stakes mode where you that, have that this seems to be currency. where like the really interesting part of it is yeah yeah it's that's where it gets weird um where you you bet a certain amount of currency and it puts you break as normal and then once the once the break has happened it like starts offering you mutators to put on the game to increase the to increase your bet and to increase the payout so it's like uh the ball's all become random sizes or we add some bumpers or there's a time limit that means yeah. you will never ever win uh, <laughs> if you're me. or uh there's like three balls that if one of those goes into a pocket it's game over and you have to like finish the game before you run out of balls uh, sometimes you only get one ball to play with uh, or only one mistake so two balls uh you have to finish the game before you like you have to sink all of the balls to win and you have to get enough points like there's a score that you're going for that's a multiplier on your wager, so you can't just take the easiest shots. Uh, um, but then there is this mode called Instant Tournament where every two minutes a tournament starts that is asynchronous and you are entered into a competition with everyone else who played this particular... It, it, again, starts with a randomized break. Like the, the break has already but, happened. But everybody gets uh, the same break. Everybody gets the same one who starts playing within that two-minute period. And then you your score gets compared to theirs. And then like a half an hour later, it gives people a half an hour to finish the game. Um, you earn medals if you were the first, second, or third highest score wow. uh, for that two-minute period. Um, it's a oh, neat for concept. that two it minute is, period. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So you're you're right? playing. Okay, yeah. I assumed you were playing against everyone that plays in that half an hour. Huh. No, it's because a new game starts every couple minutes. Hmm. Um, often when you finish, it might be every three minutes. I guess often when you finish, you will see a countdown. It's like next tournament starts in fourteen seconds or whatever. Right. Uh, and I've never seen it higher than two minutes. Um. But yeah, it's pretty neat. I don't know how many people are playing. I mean, I like I'm sure it'll diminish over time, but like I'll I'll play one in the middle of the day and, you know, I'll have come in like 70th or something. So it, it seems like there are a significant number of people playing at any given minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's it's pretty it's compelling. pretty fun, it's fun and like I'm not very good at it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I I I feel like there is in the same way that that eight ball pool that I became briefly obsessed with like four or five years ago on the, on the phone. Uh, I think like <clears throat> having spent several years uh, working on getting good at playing pool in real life makes a pretty significant difference in just playing a simulated pool game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because just th like getting yourself into the mindset of setting up the next shot is a thing that beginners at pool just don't do right. at yeah, all definitely and it's really helpful when you know it's it's an interesting twist on it because you know what pocket you're going to be going for next and so you're trying to set yourself up to be able to get any ball into that pocket mm, right because like the goal is to get every ball into the 10 
pocket, which the only other weird rule is that when you sync the eight, it randomly rotates the pocket values instead of just stepping them forward by one, um, which makes it much more unpredictable from a like trying to plan ahead standpoint. But yeah, thank you for reminding me about that. I've actually uh-huh. been playing a ton of that. The uh, it seems it seems like it would take like not beyond having practical pull experience. It seems like it would take some time to get used to like, because like the strength of your flick up the side of the screen is what determines how much power you're putting behind the shot. And that seems pretty important for setting up your next shot. Yeah. And it's a little, it's a little rickety. Yeah. It, it seems, uh, I, I did not seem touch to be screens able to aren't great right on the edges. On that. Yeah. 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 What about you, Kevin? What have you been playing? Uh, it's been since it's been a couple of weeks. I had a little more time to play a handful of smaller games. Uh, I played Dicey Dungeon with Terry Kavanaugh. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah, that, it's that's pretty good. Really good. It's shaping up into a re- into a, a real boy. Uh, He's I, thinking about selling it. He's he is uh, considering having that be his like, second commercial game of all time. Wow, is he only up, he only ever sold maybe Super maybe, maybe I third think third yeah, yeah. but. Wow. Because was Naya's Quest something you had to buy? I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, anyway, for those who haven't played it, it's a it's a game where you are playing as a character, sort of a you know fantasy trope character, a, a fighter or a wizard or a rogue or whatever. And you, um, the game mechanics are that you roll dice every turn and you sort of get to assign those to various skills and equipment that you have. Uh, and each character class has very different strategy associated with them. Um, the warrior, I think, is pretty easy uh, as it goes. Uh, they it's Like a real basic piece of equipment would be like a sword, and yeah. you just drag a die onto it, and it does that many points of yeah, damage, exactly. however, whatever the value on the die is. Yeah, and the, the warrior's like special abilities are to uh, re-roll any dice that you have not yet used once per turn and uh or you can increment or decrement a die by one um there are a lot of things where a piece of equipment will um have a maximum value so you can only use dice that are three or below uh on it or there are there are pieces of equipment where if you use an odd die it does one thing or and if you use an even die it does a different thing uh, and so there's a there's just a bunch of neat strategy that you're that you're using and as you level up you get one more die to roll um, every every time you roll your dice, uh, yeah, it's super cool, super super good. Um, One of the classes has this very very interesting mechanic. Which one? Uh, the tinker. Oh, where you or or engi- every turn, uh, every after uh, yeah. every fight, you are destroying a piece yeah. of gear and uh, recrafting uh, it as something. Like else. After after every fight, you are required to destroy a piece of gear, which gets turned into a single use, very powerful ability based on what the piece of gear is yeah um yeah that you can only use that you can only use in the next fight yeah uh and there are like things you can hold on to like pieces of scrap metal that take up inventory space and will always be available in the menu of things to to destroy but like the premise is that the character gets bored with using tools and gadgets and constantly needs to be making new things (laughs) but it is just like it is just a fascinating turn-based combat mechanic that like you have to turn one of your pieces of equipment into a consumable after every fight it is it is a little overwhelming 
honestly. I would not recommend playing that your first time. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, there's it, trying to know in advance what you're going to get with each piece of gear and stuff is like, like it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential strategy to what things you keep in your inventory and which, and which monsters you fight and in which order and that kind of thing. Um, and knowing what kind of power you'll be able to potentially get for the next fight. If you have an option of three fights to do, and which one would be good for that particular opponent. I feel like you really need to, to know the game pretty well before you can succeed with that character class. Um, the rogue has a couple of, like, I'm trying to think what the rogue's abilities are. Uh, they're... Uh, like a dagger that you can use over and over again, but it can only yeah uh, go up to, like, one or two and they're, damage. They're, um, they're like, uh, uh, what do you call it? The um, limit break is that you, is that you just roll... Uh, four ones, mm. uh, which is yeah, because there's a lot of things with it, like that you poison yeah, something yeah, with the, that use ones. The 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 rogue wants a lot of low numbers generally. I think the knife they start with only like it does a die's worth of damage, but that die can't be more than three. And yeah, they they get access to powers, but it's, but it's like, yeah, but you can use it as many times as you right, want. Yeah. Right, yeah, they they get access to a lot of abilities that like will. Uh, copy a die or split a die into split, two component yeah. dice and things like that. And but you po- don't get to control, which is interesting. Right. And po- the like, poison it'll take a six is, and sometimes it'll be like five. Poison is wildly powerful. Um, so that's, it's, Can be. it's a super good build until you manage, until like the, the random end boss that you get happens to be the one that is immune to poison. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's that's, super interesting. It's super fun. All all the powers are really uh, are really interesting. There's a lot of like like seeing seeing two bits of equipment and just feeling that click in your brain as you realize how these can be used together and things like that. Yep. Right now it is a free game. It's it's like pre-release and it's it runs in HTML, uh not HTML5. HTML5. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it'll run forever and just always work no matter what hardware platform you're on. Yep. Um, and some other, I played a couple of sort of silly uh, iOS games. One is called Digger Man. It's by a studio called Digital Melody. Wasn't that HP Lovecraft's cat's name? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> wow. Uh, this this is a very simple game that is. I think it's good if you like are literally just want to waste some time. But it is. Uh, it's a kind of like those games, um, like. Uh, it's the like the, the digging exploration games, uh, Steamworld Dig or whatever, like that that style of game. But you never return to the surface; you just dig down. And unlike those games, this grid is still a grid, but it's offset by forty five degrees. So you are either always digging left or right, and it's taking you down diagonally to the left or the right. Um, and there's a bunch of hazards uh, where if you like dig out underneath a boulder and then start digging away it'll start rolling behind you and you have to cut back the other direction or else it'll crush you um and there's monsters and stuff down there uh it's it's it is a very fast paced game but requires a fair bit of of thinking ahead and strategy uh in terms of how you're sort of progressing through the level um i enjoyed it quite a bit it actually has an ending which is nice you get to the end and then you're just kind of done so that's cool 
Um, and that one's, I think that is also free with ads. Uh, and then a game which is pr- probably one of the worst names for a game uh, that I've seen in a long time is called Love Balls. <laughs> oh yeah, I I that's I get ads for that on on iOS. Yeah, they they've been advertising pretty heavily. Uh, that's actually where I saw it. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll give this a try. I, it was it, I was pretty familiar with the idea behind the game. It's it is the game starts in a state where everything is frozen on the level and you get an opportunity to draw a line on the level. And as soon as you let go of your finger, gravity kicks in uh, and the balls and your line are subject to gravity. And sometimes some of the objects in the world are subject to gravity and sometimes they're fixed in space. Uh, and you're, and the, the goal of each level is to get the two balls to come together. That's because they're, they're love balls. Uh, and uh, you have, so you often have to, figure out how to do some sort of wacky physics thing where the line that you draw will sort of fall over on one of the balls and knock it off a ledge and that will then roll down a hill and uh land on top of the other ball or whatever this is like crayon physics yes it's very similar to Ah, crayon physics that's great yeah it's and and it's got a ton of levels like close to 400 levels Hmm. and, and they add like 36 every week uh so it's it is definitely worth picking up it's also free with ads um well, that's cool. The based on based on the ad I saw, it looked very like, uh, uh, you know, like app store trash kind of thing. But it's interesting. It is definitely low production values. It's very low low production values. But if you are trying to get like three stars, like the highest rating on each level, it is actually there. There get to be a bunch of really interesting levels. Huh. Cool. Um, do you it's, get to decide whether your solution was awesome or you not, do like not you did in crayon physics? You do not you get to, to rank your own levels. Uh, so I, that one, I like as bad as the name is, I actually really liked it and would, would definitely recommend it if, uh, if you're looking for a fun little physics-y puzzle game. Um, uh, I played a game uh, by, or the, that was at least uh, by partially by one of the people in our uh video games hot dog slack a game called machine at the heart of the world um it is sort of a it's a puzzle game that tries to well it doesn't really try to it's it is a game about obscure information it does not tell you how to solve it you have to figure it out uh through trial and error um and it just gets progressively more involved. It adds a bunch of, like, each each level adds more sort of information that you have to sort of figure out what it means and then figure out how it relates to the other bits of information that you've gotten. Um, it's kind of cool. I, I would definitely check it out. It was also, I think it's free on Itch.io. Ooh. Nice. Um, oh, you played that Ink Repair uh, single-level puzzle script game, too, that was going around, the one about the ice cube oh, yeah. that you couldn't expose to heat. I forget what it's called. It's called, like, get the ice cube to the goal without exposing it to heat or something. Yeah, I didn't look at the it. names of any of those. A lot of yeah. a lot of uh, those games just have German names. Because uh, I think Stephen Levelle's German? Is a, it's just a very clever one-trick pony yeah. puzzle script game. You couldn't really build a whole game around it, but you could build one pretty tricky level. Right. And that's kind of what he did. There were... The, there was a tweet we, i should try to find that for the show notes uh where he talked about how he like the last three games that he's made were all in sort of a futile attempt to do a particular kind of thing and he just has not been able to like pin down exactly how it should work um, but all three of them were sort of different 
interesting different games uh, and that was one of them that was like the first draft um the the game that he described as trying to recreate that feeling of like when you close a window in your oh, yeah. house and some door randomly slams closed elsewhere in the house <laughs> yep. uh spooky action at a distance um <laughs> i played armed armed and gelatinous at uh oh yeah dream hack they were right next to us they were let's say four up to four player couch competitive game uh you're you are a sort of gelatinous ball floating through space except these are like hate balls yeah these are hate balls uh and there are these crates that will sort of f- float into the scene and in the crates are weapons and you uh if you hit the crate and open it you get a you get a weapon attached to the outside of your like gelatinous form and you can fire that weapon and you're supposed to you're trying to kill the other it attaches it at kind of a random angle it attaches on the side that you that you knock that you that you hit it from oh okay uh and so but you can't move it you can't correct. rotate so once like it, if you once get a gun attached, attached to your right side it only ever fires to the right yeah uh and as you get more and more weapons attached to you you get larger and larger which means you get slower but have more hit points um and there's also a dash mechanic which apparently can kill people if you do it right i don't actually know how it works um it was pretty fun it's 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 relatively straightforward it's like not it does not take a long time to understand how it works and then there's just sort of fun emergent strategy um with how it unfolds over time uh and then the sort of the big game that i've been playing uh hour two every day uh is talos principle i finally finally started playing that riff oh Uh, yeah saw a bunch of your your messages scattered throughout the game (laughs) Wait, Talos Principle has uh, like Dark Souls styles messaging. Well, kind of. Sli- kind of write your yeah, own. you don't. You don't even. You don't even get like. You don't get to pick noun and verb. It just has a list of pre-made messages that you can. Yeah. You can stick on the. Do wall. you only see like messages from people on your friends list? And NPCs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that explains why I, I didn't ex- encounter any of this stuff because I played it on. It was one of the first games I played on PS4 when I had no friends. I see. Yeah, it it was very heavily Steam integrated. I don't know if they did that for other platforms. Wait, Jim, we were friends before the PS4 even came out. So don't <laughs> feel sorry for yourself. D- did you leave me any messages in Telos Principle? Well, I don't have a PS4. Yeah. I don't have any money. <laughs> uh, it's funny because you bought me a PS4. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Um, the, I, I honestly did not, have not found any of the puzzles to be all that hard. It's it's the trick. (laughs) The going for the stars is where the, is where the real hard puzzles are. I feel like. No, the only, the only hard part was finding them really. Yeah. Uh, like, but you're the guy who accidentally got like three quarters of the stars in braid. Okay. Sure. I guess I guess I do just sort of poke at all the edges of things and yeah. then that's just the the there are so few moving pieces in general to most of these puzzles that it, it is not hard to just try them all and then something will, something will work. If you don't if you don't understand what you're doing, just like mess around until yeah, something happens. Is it the case where there will be something that is not a part of the basic solution of the puzzle. And so, you know, based on that, that it is part of the solution to getting the star or not necessarily. Sometimes that is true. Sometimes you can just 
solve puzzles uh, without using all the pieces that they give you. Yeah. Sometimes, like, sometimes you can. Shortcut stuff. There is a, there is one. I forget if it was a star or if it was just that I couldn't figure out the intended way to to solve that puzzle. But there is there is one puzzle in like the cathedral level that I solved by cheating three blocks out of two other puzzles and like like getting them over the wall so that I could use them as stairs to get over the wall in this puzzle that I was working on that was an unintended yeah, solution that I intentional found pretty or... entertaining. Yeah. I feel like, and maybe that's part of the problem is, is that there's just, it, it's loose enough. Yeah. That you can it, do that it's a little bit janky that... so that you, yeah. So you can get away with some of that. Yeah. So if you ever are having a problem with a, with a puzzle, you just find another way to do it. So that's why it never actually gets very hard. Um, yeah. Did, did so you play I, the I, I, uh, DLC? I have not yet played the DLC. I recommend playing the DLC soon after finishing the main game because it it doesn't okay. it does not really reset the difficulty, so it it just oh, continues wow. on. So if you if you wait too long, you'll kind of lose that mojo. Like I, how everything works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's got a bunch of cool verbs in it. Like um, there, are, it gets to be a place where you sort of do a recording of yourself and then yeah you can that plays back and then you can sort of act independently of that to um to have basically have a second copy of yourself that's doing stuff from the past and you can but it you can still interact with it in in some ways so you can like make out with yourself yeah basically oh except you're a robot so it's like that bjork video sure <laughs> yeah so that's that's basically what I'm playing. What about you, Jim? Uh, I uh, I played some more God of War, and um, Does there's it have a, a lot whole, of realms in it. I, I haven't gotten to the conversation with all the realms. Oh, uh, uh, it does but have some realms. realms. There's a. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm presuming there's a character named Realms, and you just like you're one of those kind of people. Who just says the person you name are talking to every other word in a sentence? Um, Did you see that there's like a there's a game that is either out or in early access that's called uh, I think it's like Realms Royale or something. It's like I think it's I, my impression just from the title was that it was a battle royale game set in like fantasy a fantasy universe, and I don't know if that's real or not. Uh, but then I, I guess I thought, oh this is clearly meant for Jim. I guess that's what Royale means now because my mind immediately leapt to Clash Royale, which is a very different kind of thing. But yeah, like Royale, that word has now been that has now been redefined. I think it has meant that at least since the eighties in some contexts. Like I remember like wrestling matches being described as battle royales when it's just one v one v one v one v one. Like it just means every man for himself. Well, specifically, or every like for himself, or every more, child for himself. More specifically, like the um, the 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 PUBG Fortnite thing. Yeah. Um, so, is there on a hamburger? Is it just every ingredient for itself? Mm-hmm. Okay. But only in France. Okay. We have a we have cooperative burgers in the U.S. Of course we do. 
Sorry. Uh, so, so, God so God of War is a game where you spend like 99% of your time ripping demons apart with your bare hands, which is the kind of shit that I liked 10 years ago, which, so like, if I could send this game back in time, I would. Um, okay. And, and it's not really that interesting to me now, but they do like, and I, I get where people are coming from when they say like the 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 story is like aware of this guy you know being a huge asshole um because they will do these scenes where like okay you tell your son well, like we're going to practice boar hunting now and then uh you say okay shoot shoot your shoot your arrow at that glowing boar with like weird neon streaks on it and then you start tracking da- tracking the boar as it's bleeding to death. Um, and then you run into this witch in the forest who lives underneath a giant turtle. And the witch is like, this boar is my friend. And then she makes you gather herbs from her garden to heal the boar. Uh, and just like moments of, oh, oh shit, here's an actual human in this game about monsters murdering each other. Um is is kind of amazing but also that's like one percent of the game and 99 percent is just the usual god of war shit it was well the thing that you just described didn't sound that cool actually (laughs) okay i I thought it was pretty good maybe it's just because it's the the contrast i mean the contrast is huge like this this character is a very gruff very like very um taciturn kind of guy like who is repeatedly portrayed as like being incapable of showing affection towards his son um and then uh to be thrust into a situation where like he is forced to go pick flowers for a while and you actually go i when you were describing it i thought you were about to follow that up with so that's the caliber of quest design that this game has is somebody tells you to go pick up something that's five feet from them. I didn't realize like in that, I guess in terms of like you sort of getting your comeuppance and being forced to do something out of character is, is Kratos afraid of the witch? Uh, I don't know for sure. Um, it's definitely like, this is not his home turf. So maybe he doesn't know how powerful she is or like maybe he, doesn't want to hurt her because it's good to have her as an ally, or maybe he's trying to set a good example for his son or something. But um, just like kill stuff. But if you find out later that something likes the thing that you almost killed, unkill it. Yeah, I guess. Herbs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I so wonder if there's a branching narrative point there where if you shot a different boar, it would run off to the colonel's house instead of the witch's house, and then he would have you pick herbs and spices from his garden to deliciously fry up the boar. Ooh. All right, that, that sounds uh, like a much more delicious game. Yeah, so, like, this game really does feel like... I, I, I My cynical interpretation of it was, like, it's the same God of War game as usual, but with an asterisk on it, and the asterisk says toxic masculinity is bad. Like, it really does feel like that. Here's like, you know, you spend most of your time doing this thing and then you get your comeuppance for a minute and then you go back to doing the thing immediately because that's what a video game is. Uh, or like another way to think about it might be like maybe the 
this the game designer and the narrative designer of this game like really hated each other. They were like in the middle of a divorce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like tell him that at this point it is critically important that the character be forced to pick some flowers. <laughs> yeah. It will tell her that, tell her that we're not putting any fucking agility orbs into the flower picking mini game. <laughs> so we'll see which people prefer. That that story would have been better if I had reversed the genders. It's, anyway. It's okay. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. Just, just play it backwards. Yeah, so so that's that's that game. What was the name of it again? Uh, and I, uh, God of War. <laughs> okay. Huh. Um. Uh, I, nothing I, else. You I play? played. Um. I so I I saw this game at the Maid when I was looking for like I'm gonna play an Atari twenty six hundred game. I was looking over the cartridges and I saw one called Secret Quest. And I was like, that sounds right up my alley. Um, and so I booted it up, and it's it's a... So I was reading about this later. It's a 1989 game, like one of the last 2600 games, designed by Nolan Bushnell. Whoa. Uh, yeah, very, very, like, there's some pedigree there. Um, and this is a game that was clearly, like, inspired by The Legend of Zelda but maybe had never heard of adventure on that same platform (laughs) (laughs) because like it's, it's doing a bunch of, it's like, so you start the game and the first thing you do is walk into the next room and pick up a sword. Um, huh. Okay. Except like, I'm not, I'm not actually sure if it's supposed to be like a lightsaber or a flamethrower. It could be either one from the art. Um, and you walk from room to room. The rooms are not particularly differentiated from each other visually. Like, I thought Adventure did a pretty reasonable job, like, making each room look distinct and have a distinct shape from the other rooms. In this one, every room is a rectangle with um, one to four exits, uh, all always in the same place in the center of the wall of the north, south, east, or east or west wall. Um, and you sometimes fight things in the rooms and the things are actually like, as far as 2600 sprites go, they're actually really good. Like you look at this, this, this like 16 by 16, or it's probably more like eight by eight art. And it's, that's clearly a robot on tank treads with a, like a, a, a chomping maw. Like, I can't believe you, you, you sold that image in that little space. That's a, that's, that was a really good job. Um, but the, the combat itself is like, these things kind of move randomly. And if they hit you, they take away your energy or oxygen. I'm not sure what either of those do. Uh, and if you hit them, then they disappear and another one appears. And I think the idea is that there's more than one enemy in the room but you're not supposed to fight more than once because you can only display two sprites at once on the Atari 2600. Uh, and then, like, you, you're running around this maze and you come across these rooms that just have um, symbols in them. And the symbols are, like, not... They're kind of like like abstract glyphs. Um, and 
I eventually figured out that one of the rooms with symbols in it, you can actually change the... And I think this is the secret part of the secret quest. You can actually change what the symbols say, and if you make them match the other symbols in the level, you go to the next level. Or rather, you don't go to the next level. The, the, there's, there's a countdown timer, and I, th I think thematically what's happening is you, that you set a bomb, and then you need to reach the exit, uh, which is locked prior to this. And so when you do that, you go to the next level. And the next level has, instead of one of these glyphs, it has two of these glyphs hidden around the level. And you have to set the ending, uh, set the bomb glyphs to those two symbols. And then you set the bomb and then you can go to the next level. And I think I think I went through three levels of this and they got bigger, but they didn't get more interesting. Like they got to the point where like I would have had to map them to make significant progress but it didn't get to the like it, they didn't get more complicated in in a way that like was forming an interesting shape in my head it was were just they the same every time or were they procedurally generated i i believe they are the same every time yeah okay because and i also at one notable. point what was that that would have maybe been notable if they if they were randomly generated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that might have been that would have been at least interesting. Also, at one point on one of the levels, I picked up a trumpet and never figured out how to play it. So maybe there's more to this game, and there's almost certainly more to this game than I'm understanding. But I it's the exact same thing happened to me in like sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> did did you then get killed by a, a robot with tank treads and a chomping maw? Uh, no, I begrudgingly switched to clarinet. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's Secret Quest. Um, and I played, that in the, the same day, I played a little bit of um, Sword, Crest, Sword Quest Fire World, which is from a fairly, like, an infamous series that was designed explicitly as part of a a contest, I think. Like, so these games were made to be extremely hard to finish, and the first person who finishes one actually gets gets a, a prize, like a, a scepter or something like that. Yeah, I think they were different for everyone. You'd get, like, a sword or a chalice, and they, they were all, like, worth, like, tens of thousands of dollars. They were made of tens of thousands of dollars worth of gold. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, and How I can... How did you prove that you had finished it? I, you probably took a photo of your TV. Yeah, I guess if you don't know what it's supposed to look like, it's hard to fake. And yeah, like you couldn't, like you couldn't like decompiling. Dump, a normal it. person couldn't like dump an Atari ROM at that yeah. time. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and this game was utterly baffling. So, like, good job making it a hard contest. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very confusing. I, I owned, I owned Sword Quest Fireworld as a kid, and. I never even even having like the instruction manual and the accompanying comic book, which had a lot of very, very cool drawings of swords and gold uh, hordes. Uh, yeah, the, just, and, and, and like the infinite free time of a of a 1980s childhood never made any fucking sense of anything that was going on in that video game. Right. Did anyone ever claim the prize? I don't remember. Is it still available? <laughs> there were four games in the series, but I think it tanked after maybe only two of them came out. Uh, mm. Fireworld was the first one, and is, I think the one that is by far the most common. 
Uh, every once in a while, you will see a copy of Earthworld. And I don't know if the remaining ones ever actually came out. Well, they made One of a them movie. Did, but it was a, yeah, it was a Kevin Costner movie. Right. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah. Airworld is not really a thing. Avatar. Yeah. The There's nothing Airbender. in the rules that says the world can't play basketball. Right. So this was a game where like, I was wandering around like a, a screen-by-screen overworld. Every time you go to the next screen, it plays a um, like a, a almost like a first-person 3D animation of walking down a corridor as, as the screen transition, which I would imagine was really flashy back in the day. Um, and then, uh, like... The only time I could ever get it to do anything other than like wander between the same six screens was I would push the button on the joystick and then suddenly I would be playing either Phoenix or Kaboom. But they they use the same bird sprites. So either I'm shooting bird sprites up above me or dodging them as they fall. Hmm. I thought you had to catch them in Kaboom. There's a bunch of different oh, you're right. mini. There's a bunch of different mini games, all of which are equally baffling. <laughs> right, but they all and then like. I think when you win them, you get access to some inventory items. With Kaboom, you wanted the paddle wheel too. You didn't want right. The joystick. Yeah, this is this is. I was playing it with the joystick, and it's not quite like Kaboom because you're right. I was trying to dodge things as opposed to. Although, for all I know, I was supposed to catch some of them. <laughs> Wow. Uh, the, I remember the... there being a lot of different items and a bunch of cool-looking item sprites that made me think, hey, that's cool. What does that do? That rope with the grappling hook or whatever, but never figuring out what anything meant anywhere or how to do anything with anything. Hmm. Right. Uh, the, Sounds like the... a thing that would be cool to read about now. Yeah, like read someone's analysis of what, what's actually going on in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I the, I thought the bird sprites looked surprisingly good. Like something about the noise on them, um, just felt a like kind of lent a, an air of like like film grain to it. I don't know. It was very strange that 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 worked on me, but it actually worked really well. I don't know. I don't know um, what was happening there. I think there was a let's play of it that I watched that seemed pretty knowledgeable about the details. It was probably mm. super great friend. Cause he's probably, the, he's like the 90% of let's plays that I watch. Uh, but I, I could not say that for a hundred percent certain. Yeah. If you that should go in the show notes, if you can find it. Okay. You talking about Secret Quest reminded me of a of a board game that I played that I had intended at the time to mention on the podcast because uh, it's a thing that I found uh, the idea of really off-putting for a lot of different reasons, but actually playing it, it's very good, and I regret avoiding it, which is uh, Secret Hitler. Oh, yeah, huh. yeah. Um, have any of you played Secret yeah, Hitler? Yeah, I, I no. played a couple it rounds is, of it. It's pretty good. It's a good It is werewolf an extremely yeah. well-designed hidden role game. Hmm. Like, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm so brief, bad at the games, way that it works. but I recognize it as being a good one. <laughs> so in in the in the basics, like the the team consists of liberals and fascists, and one of the fascists is secretly Hitler. Um, and you, the goal is for the fascists to pass five fascist policies 
or get Hitler elected chancellor after three have been passed. And the the liberals' goal is to pass four liberal policies or something. It's like, like it's slightly, it's offset in some way that I don't exactly remember. I think the liberals always outnumber the fascists. Um, the Depending on the number of players, the fascists either like know who each other are, but don't know which one of them is Hitler or vice versa. It's like the, the fascists have some knowledge that the liberals don't have. A round of play is a person is the president and that just goes from, it goes around the table in a circle. That president will propose a chancellor. The, everybody around the table votes on whether they want that person to be chancellor or not. Then the president draws three policies from a stack and the stack is just a deck of cards that are is labeled liberal and fascist. And then takes two of those and hands them to the chancellor. The chancellor then picks one, and that's the one that gets passed. And either of them can lie or tell the truth about what they saw. So, like, if you are a liberal and you draw three fascist cards, you have to hand two fascist cards to the chancellor. The chancellor then has to play a fascist policy, so it becomes where you have to tell the truth. Like, you have to convince people, I had no choice. I, the only things that were available to me were fascist policies. I'm not a fascist, I promise. And it's just, like, it's so fucking good. It's like, it, the fact that it is called Secret Hitler, I think, is such a bad move, because coming from the Cards Against Humanity mm. set, it's like, oh, I bet this is Dumb. some edgelord bullshit, yep. but it is totally not. And, yeah, man, what, a, like... I was, I was a little dubious about it, but I had such a good time playing it. Huh. We're playing it with like half people we knew and half a group of strangers, some of whom knew each other and, and some of whom didn't just at that's, in the that feels, board games lounge at good. Phoenix Comic Con. It was a very good way of yeah. doing it. Yeah. There was, there was one guy that was definitely just like being Jared Leto's the Joker about the whole thing and just like just kind of trying to ruin everything every time he had a chance to do anything. Huh. But even then it's like, all right, well we, we know that guy's just a fucking wild card. So we have no idea. Like we can't learn anything based on what just happened with him. Um, you know, and he like rapidly stops getting elected. You also get these, there, there are some variations where it's like once the third fascist policy gets passed, the current chancellor gets to choose the next president uh Whoa. and change the rotation so like that's a good opportunity for like you know one team based on what they know to to change the outcome it's pretty good we, i was always a fascist and we won every game by getting hitler elected chancellor and then just no one ever saw it coming Jeez. that was pretty good Anyway, Riff, what uh, what video games have you played? Or board games? Or um, gosh darn it, Riff, just anything. <laughs> We've already talked about pretty much everything I played that isn't an upcoming assignment. Um, I'm still playing Dark Souls. I finished my Pokemon run. Or not Dark Souls, Demon Souls. Um, let's see, I played Castlevania. I played Pocket Run Pool. Um... Yeah, I don't think... Uh, I think that was about it. I think we've talked about everything I played. You were kind of hanging out with your parents the entire time. Yeah. I, so I've been in Arizona the entire time since the last show, and I fucked up and did not bring my computer with me. So I was unable to play this week's assignment, so we're just going to skip the assignment section and put that off. 
and I apologize to everyone else for letting them down. And Riff, I apologize for making it so you have to play some Player Unknown's Battlegrounds now. No, uh, because it'll be the assignment in a couple of weeks once I'm back in uh, San Francisco, where oh, my no. sick, sick, sick ass gaming rig is. <laughs> uh, but you pitched an assignment that uh, we can all play on our Nintendo Switches, which we all have with us here in Arizona. Yep, yep. Uh, called a disappointingly Yuko's Island Express. Yeah, it's is good. That, it is. So it's a. You're like a pinball that delivers mail. Yeah, I think you're a bird that's you're trying a, to d- get a, a pinball to a, a place. You're a dung beetle, which, who is a dung uh, beetle. A dung, oh, that makes a lot more sense. A dung beetle mailman who is. I, I haven't gotten uh, super far into the the plot of the game, but you're dealing with things on this island that is made up uh, largely of uh, maze-like tunnels and pinball flippers. So. It's it's like a pinball Metroid, just like the real world, basically. Yeah, it, it's, I remember uh, seeing it across the aisle from us at South by Southwest and thinking that it looked interesting, but I never got a chance to play it. It's yeah. real fun. So I am excited to yeah. be able to play a video game on my Nintendo Switch. Hey, you know what else happened on the Nintendo Switch recently? Is West of Loathing was released for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, uh, it's a great fanfare. Uehaw! That's a pretty good Everybody video game. Played, uh, yeah, and it's uh, people seem to like it on the Switch. Yeah, um, we. So our just for a, a point of data that we now have, uh, our having talked to a bunch of other people who've released independent games of varying levels of uh, success on the Switch, we are close to the high end for like a, an indie game that's not Celeste, and our sales are about half what they were on Steam at launch. So that is the current. That is that's my, still pretty good window into the the state of what the switch marketplace looks like for indie games now it's, relative to steam it's, it's so, so hard to generalize anything yeah I was gonna say, generalizing that doesn't make any sense though like, right because certain games are going to do better on switch than on other platforms yeah. right and certain games are just not and and um, also like if we had released six months ago we probably would have done better than maybe now there were fewer switches but fewer games uh, it's hard to say yeah there were like half as many games yeah like it's it, the marketplace has really exploded. So. Uh, it was it was very exciting to me in a smug douche way to see us on a bestseller chart just above the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, so we're for for a minute we were selling better than Breath of the Wild, uh, <laughs> a game that is very old at this point. Um, so yeah, go go on over to your old uh, Switch eShop, which doesn't have good music, and uh, buy, buy West of Loathing anyway, which does have good music by your yeah. friend and mine, Ryan Ulysses Ike. <laughs> I don't know what Ryan Ike's middle name is. It's probably Ulysses. His name on Twitter is Ryan Ike Composer, so I assume his middle name is Ike. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I like Ike. Anyway, sorry, F, uh, that I fucked up uh, the assignment. Wait, this doesn't count, so we'll we'll definitely still play we'll do it. it. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, some of us I, played it. Yeah, I know, and I'm re- I feel really bad that you spent some time that you would have preferred to have been working uh, <laughs> playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I I cannot fucking believe that I just forgot to bring my computer with me in order to like get the tiny amount of work done that I had to get done on this trip. I had to go buy a. Uh, a surface pro which kind of works as a laptop and also i can use to read dungeons and dragons pdfs at high resolution but doesn't play PUBG. no 
no, it is not powerful at <laughs> all. It, uh, it, I tried to play Sunless Skies on it, which is not the most taxing of games, and it was too framey to be able to move around. Also, I'm really, like, my janky-ass bullshit that I try to do with Windows machines is rapidly becoming... Uh, untenable. Uh, untenable, yeah. Like, like, it. in order to install PaintShop Pro 9 on this thing, and then every time I run it, I have to fully disable the video drivers on on uh, this piece of hardware, um, which I don't. I'm not really sure what's putting pixels on the screen once I've disabled the video driver. I like. I figured that you probably couldn't just brick a machine by right clicking on your video card and clicking disable on like a <laughs> tablet, right? But I didn't know what I thought was going to happen. But what happened was it like the screen turned off and then turned back on, and I guess looks a little worse. But PaintShop Pro will run. And uh, something that I learned is that the I'm now using my Microsoft Internet keyboard from 1995 or whatever <clears throat> plugged into a powered USB to, or PS2 to USB adapter plugged into a USB hub plugged into this Surface tablet and playing Sunless Skies a little bit made me understand the problems that I was having with the keyboard because when I would hold down the key to thrust the the spaceship it just like sometimes was held down and sometimes it wasn't so uh that explains why typing has been kind of frustrating uh, i guess every once in a while it just stops paying attention to individual keys on hmm. the keyboard you know what's amazing though is that any of this shit works at all thanks windows <laughs> that's very true thanks magical electronic sand Magical electronic sand. Yep. Uh, all right, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording this uh, long in spite of not having an assignment segment episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon, having played a cool assignment on the cool, cool Switch. And listeners, I hope you are staying cool this summer. Mercury's <laughs> really rising. Be sure to wear sunscreen and a big floppy hat. Don't go outside. And send us a picture of your big floppy hat. Time for emails. Good night, everybody. Have a, have a great week, everybody. <laughs>